It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thanks for being with me this morning. Seasons all across the country have either opened or are opening. It's the time of year when, as I often say, they're just 24 hours is not enough time. And it's the time we want to be outdoors. And I'm going to start off with a subject for anyone who cares about birds and the outdoors. And it's something from which I always receive a lot of unfortunate email from individuals who don't understand the damage that cats, C-A-T-S, cats, do to birds. And I was reminded of it this past week when I was pheasant hunting and we stepped out of our vehicles and we had gone a short way and all of a sudden a big feral cat broke from cover and took off. And I thought, you know, how many feral cats are there? And I've had this discussion before because we don't know. We have no idea. And and we also have no idea as to the damage that they do on birds in actual numbers. It's estimated that cats eat hundreds of millions of birds every year. And I can tell you the reason that cat was in that feral cat was in that cover was because that's where pheasants live. Feral cats, as I've said often on the air, are the number one problem in America for birds. The loss of habitats, huge and certainly important. The use of chemicals that has harmed birds is very much well known. But cats, feral and household cats that are allowed to run around the neighborhood, are the number one killer of songbirds in North America, and there's there's no disputing it, and yet we do not have any kind of effort to try to reduce the cat population. In fact, we have efforts underway that are so absurd. We have cat colonies, if you can believe it, in the city of Chicago and elsewhere. We have people who are licensed to be caregivers for feral cats. The only requirement is that They neuter the cats, and they can have as many cats as they want feeding in their backyard. And this is, I'm not making this up. You can become a licensed cat giver, cat caregiver, and you can feed 20, 30 cats in your backyard. And it happens right in the neighborhoods of Chicago, and it's happening across the country. So the cats come to the, and they live outside all the time. So they come to the feeders and they get fed. And guess what they do all day long? They kill birds because cats, like fox, kill for fun as well as for eating. But by and large, cats, if you had 50 robins nesting, a cat would kill every one if it could and maybe eat one. We've all seen cats play with mice and torture them and um, they do the same thing with birds. I was a young kid on a farm in northern Illinois, northeastern Illinois, and I have this indelible memory today. I was about eight years old, 
and we had barn cats. Every farm has cats to keep the mice and rats under control. We had barn cats. We were no different. We had two barn cats, Bluey and Whitey. And one day, I'm about eight years old, and I look, and here coming across our lawn is Bluey with a blue-winged teal hen in its mouth. Not dead, just carrying it. And I ran after the cat, and the cat went under the manure spreader. And at eight years old, I could get under the manure spreader too. And the cat tried to keep the hen blue-winged teal from me. And eventually, I got the cat, I got the blue-winged teal out of the cat's mouth. It was, at that point, badly hurt. And I chased the cat away, and I released the blue-winged teal. It had a broken wing, and it was mangled. Couldn't do anything, so I went. I figured the best thing I could do was go and hide it in some bushes, and maybe, I mean, you're eight years old. What do you think? Maybe it'll be able to survive. Well, I hid it in the bushes, came back the next day, and there was nothing but feathers. That was a hen blue-winged teal that had been taken off a nest by a cat. In Wisconsin alone, they estimate over a million songbirds a year are killed by cats. We think about songbirds flying into windows and all the efforts that are underway across North America to turn the lights out at night so songbirds don't fly into, into windows that are lit up on their spring and fall migrations. If we only paid that much attention to the impact of cats having on birds, we might actually make a difference. So. I, I guess I'm saying this today because just the other day, here I go pheasant hunting, and the first thing I see is a great big feral cat. But it really strikes home. We, we talk about Cornell University released a study that said we've lost 3 billion, 3 billion songbirds from the North American continent in the last 30 years. I don't know how many songbirds we have. I don't know if 3 billion is the right number, but I can certainly say that there are far, far fewer songbirds in North America today than there were 30 years ago. And correspondingly, there are even more cats on the loose in North America than there were 30 years ago. One of the worst things we can do, and any of you listening who is a house cat, the worst thing you can do is keep the cat inside at night and let the cat, cat roam the neighborhood during the day. All it's doing is killing. They're killing machines. So I grew up with cats in, on a farm. My kids, my daughters like cats in the house. Household cats inevitably become outdoor cats. And, and sooner or later, people get tired of their cats and they just let them go. And they become feral cats. And we have, we have tens of millions of feral cats. We know that roaming North America. And it's leading to a crisis in birds. So when you're out this fall, and you, you have a look, and you're hunting somewhere, and the next thing you see is a cat running. That cat is destroying birds, plain and simple. I wish there were a way for all the conservation groups in North America, particularly America. I wish there was a way for them to come together. The Humane Society, you know, all the pet shelters, all the conservation groups to come together and say, this is a problem we can solve. Instead, they, 
talk about solving climate change. Climate change isn't going to be solved anytime soon, if, if ever. So we spend hundreds of millions of dollars talking about problems we, we probably have very little chance of solving. And those are the problems that governments love the best because a problem that can't be solved is one that just keeps getting money and grows and grows and grows. And we, we see it time and time again. We can solve the problem of the bird loss in North America. We can solve it certainly by not having so much habitat loss, but that's a long-term process and it's going to cost, continue to cost a lot of money. And despite all the efforts of the wonderful groups like Ducks Unlimited and the National Audubon Society and Delta Waterfowl and Nature Conservancy and World Wildlife, all these fabulous groups, we're still losing. But a problem we could solve in the next 12 months is the problem of feral cats roaming and marauding all over North America. We, we could solve that. So maybe the call that I'm thinking of this morning is, maybe the call is, wait a minute, let's come together, wildlife managers, bird lovers, conservation groups, university research centers, let's all come together and say, we have a problem that we can solve, and it's not going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars, let's focus on a management plan that reduces the feral cat population or eliminates the feral cat population in America. Australia has a huge program underway to try to re get rid of feral cats because of the damage they're doing. We can do this. We just have never focused on it. And I don't know why I'm sitting here talking this morning about it in this vein when everybody knows this is the number one problem, but we, we don't seem to do anything. And I'm sure the Humane Society and the cat shelters and all the conservation organizations could agree. Roaming feral cats transport diseases to other animals. Certainly they're not healthy for humans and they're devastating for wildlife. So maybe we ought to just say in 2022, the coming year, let's make it the year when we bring the feral cat problem under control and when we educate the entire populace of North America that your household cat belongs in your house, not in your yard. I'm sure I've made some of you this morning who love cats go absolutely apoplectic, but I think I stand by what I say. We know this is the biggest problem we face for birds. Let's do something about it. And I'm sure a lot of you agree with me, but it's always the people who don't agree with me that I hear from. I'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoors show. And when I do, I'm going to talk a little bit about the magic of being in a marsh when the birds arrive from the far north. It happened just the other day with the king of, with the king of birds, the canvasback. I'll be back in just a minute. This is Charlie Potter, the outdoor voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, the message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland. Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert. Sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are. Communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology. Tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. 
Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me. Whether you're listening live this morning, and I hope you are, or you're going to be podcasting in the coming week, as many of you do, I thank you for supporting the Great Outdoors show on WGN Radio, which has been on the air now more than 50 years. I also now want to shift to away from the story of cats, but without leaving it here, I will simply add, with leaving it here, I'll simply say, if you give your child a cat or you give your house a cat, please make sure that cat stays in the house. Canvas facts and weather and the great migration. Every fall, I talk about the magic of being on the lakeshore in Chicago when the wind blows and the birds, whether they are plover or geese or ducks or swans or cranes or whether they're blackbirds by the tens of thousands when they migrate it's an incredible sight and birds follow very well defined uh flyways i had an experience last week that just brings me back to the marsh every year and it doesn't happen every year it's happened a few times in my life i was on the marsh when the king of ducks canvasbacks arrived. In this case, I was out in the Western United States. Fortunately, with COVID, I'm able to travel a little bit again. And I was on a famous canvasback staging marsh. The cans had not arrived yet. We had a tremendous blow from the north. And the next morning, we went out, and they were there. The, the vanguard flights of what will come for the next couple of weeks and there's nothing, there, there's no species of birds, I think, that quickens the pulse and, and the admiration of birds on the wing more than canvasback. They're silverbacks in the sun. They fly the way they fly. They're the fastest flying bird over 70 miles an hour is how a canvasback flies. They twist and they turn. And I was looking northeast into the mountains. And through this pass, I could see them coming in, in broken Vs. And, and this is something, you, you know, you look at the paintings or you think of birds migrating in these high, high Vs. They do that. But more often than not, they migrate in knots, knots of birds. And they, and they're, it's not well-defined Vs, they're bunches. And these canvas back came down this mountain pass in, in groups of 50 to 200. And it was, it was one group after another, after another, after another. And we sat in the marsh, and they, they came down at, oh, probably flying at three, 4,000 feet, and they just dropped air. And you could hear, it was like jet fighters. You could hear the wind ripping, and ripping through their, their wings as they lost altitude from three, four, 5,000 feet to, to 100 feet. And they, spun around this huge lake and, and they went around and around 
And, they, and of course, what they're doing is when they're flying at that, that level, they're looking for feed. That's, the, that's what's going to sustain them on their migration. And, and they won't just hit a lake and sit down. No, they fly around and around and around or a marsh looking for the place where the sago or the celery or whatever it is to try. Primarily, those are the two wild celery being the fav, favorite food and sago. That's what they're looking for. And, and for probably 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes, unending, I watched these flocks of canvasback come. I, I had no interest in shooting one at that point. It was just the majesty of them. I knew there would be other days when I could have a chance to shoot a canvas back, which also is, I think, the best table fare there is. But I didn't need to this morning. And with the howling wind, I just watched these canvas back arrive. It was spectacular. I've seen it three times in my life, and I've been on this, these marshes a long time. Three times I've seen the canvas back arrive. So sometime in the next few days, we're going to get a blow through Illinois or Iowa, wherever you're listening. And, and the birds from the cranes, the sandhill cranes are already well underway, but you're going to have a day when they're just V's of birds and migrating birds. And if you're on the Lake Forest, Lake Shore of Chicago, or whether you're up in Wisconsin or down in Indiana or the east side of Michigan, you're going to see the Grand Passage and there's, there's nothing like it. It's just, it's the most fabulous experience. And you don't have to be a great bird watcher at all. You just have to have a pair of binoculars. And just, you watch this magic, and it's been going on since the beginning of time. It, it, it's the inspiration that I have, and I know so many of you have, that draws you in the outdoors spring and fall. I love birds. I love watching birds. I love learning about birds. So many of you do. But the chance to go out is free. It doesn't cost anything. The chance to go out and watch these birds. And if you're particularly interested in the king of birds, the canvasback, then you can go to the Mississippi in a few weeks and you can go to Keokuk and you can go down along Savannah and Illinois. You can go to the big pools and you can see canvasback populations that are one well, of the biggest in the world. It's stunning. As I sign off this morning, yesterday morning was opening day in the northern zone of Illinois. I know an awful lot of individuals were out. You're probably heading out this morning. Be safe. Deer season's also underway. Of course, in archery, it's been underway. It's the time of the year when we love to be outside and we, we sometimes forget that Mother Nature can be really cruel and rough. Be safe in the great outdoors. I'll be back next Sunday morning with much more in the great outdoors. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter. I'm the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.